Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, I'm Kimberly Selden. This is Business of Design, episode 90, and I'm so glad you're here. Episode 90, Barriers to Success. Make no mistake, this time of year, we're all busy. We are buying presents, wrapping presents, going to parties, but we're also taking time to reflect on the year that's passed. For a variety of reasons, both professional and personal, I've really had an opportunity to spend the last couple of months reflecting and trying to figure out where I want my business to go, where I want it to grow where I want it to give me more, and where I need to give it less. In the spirit of reflection, I want to share with you that nothing in my life has been as rewarding as watching small, independent interior design firms grow and thrive. You guys inspire me every single day when you share how you found your power how you found your purpose, how you found your passion again. So many of you, when Business of Design does live events and we're able to meet face-to-face, remind me of myself going back quite a few years. Business of Design started somewhere around the year 2000. I had already been in business by that time for almost a decade, and I found myself bumping into so many barriers to success. I didn't have a clue how I was going to get through those barriers, and I didn't have any idea that those barriers were self-imposed. I thought I had to change the clients. They told us in school that we had to go out and we had to educate the clients. We had to explain to them what we did for a living. And then when I was in the industry for a while, I thought, oh, I have to educate the industry insiders, the very industry associations that are there to protect us and build us up. They're not giving us what we need. So now I need to educate them too. So now I've got to educate the clients and I've got to educate our industry associations. And I can tell you, I did that for quite a while. And there are very few tasks I've ever taken on that are less rewarding, to be perfectly honest with you. I beat my head against the wall and I don't think I got very far. Now, of course, I know I didn't have to do any of that. The only thing that needed to change was me and my thinking, my strategies, my approach, my intentionality. I had to push through my own barriers to success. I thought the world put those barriers up. Turns out, no, I put them up myself. And once I began to see that, I wanted someone, (laughs) I wanted anyone actually, to help me break out of that cycle of self-destruction. The problem is, You can throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at it, and you may not get the help you need because our industry is complex, and what works in another industry may not work in our industry. I found that out the hard way, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I spent a decade with really good coaching, and I was able to uncover the barriers that I put in my way, but Figuring out how to work around them, how to remove them, how to bust through them. Man, that that was a hard journey. It was really a hard journey. And there were many, many times I wanted to give up. 
I'm really glad I didn't give up. And I know it's a cliche, but sometimes the darkest days are right before the sun comes out and you just can't see it. I didn't know it in the year 2000, but business of design was slowly gaining momentum inside me. I was beginning to implement some of the things I was learning, and I was taking baby steps toward growing a more mature business. And it helped me tremendously to share with a community of peers what I was learning. That helped me process what I was learning. I've shared this so many times, but the very first time I was asked to speak to a group of design professionals about what I was learning through coaching, I was absolutely terrified. And I had no idea that the people in the room that night were going to receive what I had to say so openly. I had no idea that 20 minutes after I started speaking, there were several people crying and many people nodding their heads. I guess business of design started sometime after the year 2000. I didn't know it. It wasn't my intention to create a company called business of design. I was trying to save my life. I was so tired of feeling like a failure, of feeling like a fraud, of ending projects where the work was only 60 or 70% done. I never got to those beautiful photographs that ended up in magazines. I never got to the repeat customer. I never got to the referral customer. And I felt a lot of shame about that. It wasn't until four years after I started my journey of learning that someone asked me to speak to a group of designers about that experience, and that was a life-changing moment for me. As I stood in front of this crowd of 50 or 60 designers, I had a decision to make. Was I going to tell them the truth, that I did my very best but failed miserably when it came to running an interior design firm? Or was I going to gloss it over? I could be funny, I could be entertaining, I could talk about my television shows, or I could tell them the truth. I am so grateful I decided to be vulnerable with that audience. And I felt for the very first time as an interior design professional that I wasn't alone. Since that time, business of design has asserted itself in my consciousness. It was something that had to be born. I didn't realize it, of course, at the time, but that is my life's mission, interestingly enough, because I've had an amazing life. Uh, But this is the thing I was born to do, and this is my gift. And since business of design was born in 2004, we have had one mission and one mission only, to share what I've learned, what works, and what doesn't. It hasn't been a linear process. Not everything I tried worked. Most of the things I tried, in fact, didn't work at all. And sometimes people will reach out and say, one of the things we love about the podcast is you'll tell us about all your mistakes. Let me tell you right now, I would have no problem having every podcast be about my latest mistake. But there have been some wins as well, and I'm so grateful for those wins. We're looking at 2019, everybody, and I am telling you right now, you deserve more life. Yeah, you may deserve more business, and that could be awesome, but the point of the business is to give you the life that you deserve and you desire. Whether you're a company of one or you have 10 or 20 employees, it's time for each of us to set an intention for 2019. What's it going to be?
I'm sure I've shared this many times, but uh, a spiritual teacher, Marianne Williamson, says, we don't ask for too much. We ask for too little. And that resonates for me, particularly with this audience. So often I'll say to a designer I'm coaching, well, what do you want to get out of the year ahead? And their answer will be, well, I'd like to make some money or I'd like to have more clients. It's vague. It's tentative. And I know exactly how they feel. I felt exactly the same way in the year 2000. Every single one of us has this inherent gift of creativity at the center of our core. It's a bit counterintuitive, but I don't think we need to work on building that gift. It's an endless well. It's constantly fed by things that inspire us. For me, it's travel. I go to a new city. I see new architecture. I visit a museum I've never been to, and I'm immediately filled up again in terms of my creative reservoir. Rather than concentrating on building that creative gift, we can benefit so much more by building in systems and procedures and structures that protect that gift, that honor that gift. Building those systems and procedures actually fuels my creativity because it allows me to not get bogged down by those parts of the business which aren't my joy. The paperwork, the purchasing, the policies, those things don't drive me and they probably don't drive you. Money doesn't even drive me, although I really enjoy the benefits of having money, especially since my company started becoming a big earner. Business of design is not about survival. It is not about getting through the day. It is not about maintaining It's about building an extraordinary experience for you and for your customers. And then all the good things that come from having put that time and effort into your business. Being able to offer my clients the best, bar none, experience is what keeps people coming through my door. They don't come through my door because I'm the most creative designer not. They don't come through my door because I do the most beautiful rooms. I don't. I think I do lovely rooms, but clients are actually hiring me to make something happen that is extremely difficult to make happen. And that has nothing to do with things looking good. It has to do with functionality. It has to do with managing trades. It has to do with renovating. It has to do with those nuts and bolts tasks that my ideal customer doesn't really have time to do. So many of you out there have more natural talent than I do. I completely bow to your natural talent, but talent is not enough. We have to have the structures in place so we can run a business that clients can rely on. In 2019, my intention is to do less work, but to find more joy. I know that we don't have an unlimited amount of time. None of us does. And I want to make the most of my relationships. I want to spend time with family and friends I want to have a business that supports that flexibility, that supports the self-care I know I need. So maybe it's time to look at 
whether or not you have some self-imposed barriers. And you know what? Let's take those down together. I want you to think about during this episode what your intention for 2019 is going to be. I'm going to share with you some of the barriers that I see interior design professionals, including myself, put up to stop them from true success. You guys, we're in the renovation business. We can take these barriers down. I'm game if you are. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Episode 90 already, Cheryl. Do you believe it? I don't. I don't. That came up. That went by really fast. Yeah, it really did. And I'm talking today about barriers to success. And you've you've witnessed a lot of my barriers and how we <laughs> kind of got through them. But I also am talking a little bit about setting intentions for 2019. So have you set some intentions? Um, well, one thing I sort of tried to accomplish this year, and I'm, it's sort of back on my list for next year, is hiring. I've sort of gotten to that that point where it's too much for me, but I just, I don't, um, I I don't delegate well. So, um, that's sort of always been a setback for me. You know, I've, I've found good people and then I'm, I'm not keeping them busy. So I think that's, that's a big one for a lot of people. I'm hysterical right now because you delegate a ton to me. In fact, we have a term (laughs) thanks to Cheryl called delegating up. As if I'm above you, I don't know, but you are really good at delegating to me. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And actually, I talked to quite a few of our retreat attendees because that was a topic that came up then. The idea of delegating up was just sort of being able to pass on the big picture to somebody who works with you and have them decide, you know, break it down by the steps that need to get done and then delegate back up uh, for Kimberly, just the tasks that I need her for. Mm-hmm. I'll take, I'll manage the big picture, but just those little tasks. Delegating the other way is harder. <laughs> yeah. So this is really exciting because 2019, we have a lot of new courses coming and one of them Me has too. to do with hiring. And I think we better add delegating to the mix. Yes. Okay. We have work to do. This is very exciting, (laughs) but we also have a webinar coming up for members, right? We do this week, Wednesday, December 12th, we have our group coaching session. It's our last one of the year. So our members are starting to look at their numbers, you know, review their PL, start planning for next year. As always, register online. You can email me in advance or um, it's been really great lately. We're unmuting our, our members that they can really talk to you live on the webinar. It's it, The interaction's been great. It's so much better, right? When they can clarify what it is they're wanting to learn. So I really look forward to those conversations, I have to say. And I look forward to talking to you every week too. So uh, yeah, we're going to work on that delegating thing this year. 
Yes. Yeah, it's on the list. (laughs) One more thing we're going to mention really quickly, and that is our rate increase happening in the new year. We are giving everybody lots of notice. So if you've been thinking about membership, you've been so close to signing up and implementing the systems and strategies we've been perfecting for 15 or more years, then now is your chance. You don't want to be hit with that rate increase. We do have members who signed up when we first launched and they have a ridiculously low rate and we're so glad they're still with us. But I have to be honest with you, you guys currently, we still have a ridiculously low rate. So please support us, help us do more for the industry, help us launch these business of design meetings, which are going to be not for profit in terms of business of design, but rather a rich resource for you guys. We care deeply about the industry and about interior design professionals like you, and we are using that money and putting it back into the community. We love your support. So think about membership, monthly or annual, and remember... In both cases, you have an opportunity for group coaching once a month. Take advantage of that. Thanks so much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. As promised, I am going to share five barriers to success that you can happily step over, push aside, or bust through. You don't need these things in your life. They are holding you back. Okay, it will not be a big shock when I say the number one barrier to success is working with rates that are too low. I know you've got all kinds of reasons why you can't raise your fees. You live in a small town, you live in a big town, and there's lots of competition. You haven't been doing it long, or you've been doing it a long time, and you know your customers won't pay, or you don't have enough customers, and a higher fee will scare them off, or you have so many customers, you couldn't possibly raise your fee because they'll be annoyed with you. They've known you for so long. Whatever the reason is that is keeping you stuck in a rate that is too low, stop it. It's time to let go. Low fees will sap your strength and your passion. They will attract perhaps a volume of customers, but not the right customers. If you're not earning an income that sustains the lifestyle you deserve and desire, you will not be able to sustain your passion for this business. Conversely, if you take a risk and raise your rate, in my experience and the experience of so many other designers I work with, you will find your confidence will grow and your expertise will grow. You will step up and into that higher rate. There's no time like right this minute to give yourself a higher rate. You have nothing to lose. One thing that has been surprising and wonderful about the business of design community and the open and vulnerable sharing you hear within our community is how often a design professional will discover that despite what she thinks, what she knows with conviction, her rate is too low. So when we get together and we meet at business of design meetings face-to-face and I ask people to share their rates, invariably... Dozens of people will say, oh my gosh, I had no idea someone in my neighborhood or in my county or in my town was charging that much. So don't assume that you know what other people are charging and that you're already charging too much. 
If you want to attract higher end clients, raise your fees. I can tell you right now, when I go to research a hotel to stay in, if the fees are too low, I look for a different hotel. I assume the hotel I want to stay in is a little bit expensive or a lot expensive. I'm not the only one who thinks that way. If I had my eye on a new car and I found out that car was $12,000, I wouldn't wonder what was wrong with that car. If I found out that car was $200,000, I would wonder how I could get that car. You know what I'm saying? I so often hear other coaches talk about how to get those higher-end clients, and I find so much of their advice to be, well, let's just say it's less impactful than just raising your rates. Your rate is your brand. A client who's looking for a luxury experience will be scared off by a rate that is too low. Of course, there are other elements that can help you get those higher-end clients. So, for example, you want to create a website that speaks directly to that ideal customer. Get rid of anything that looks like DIY or small decorating vignettes and create a narrative around luxury full-scale decorating or design and renovation projects. You'll also want to get serious about your social media. Are you using these platforms for fun or are you speaking directly and only to your future clients? Are you thinking of these platforms as marketing platforms? We're going to talk about this in episode number 94. I am so excited because Business of Design is going to challenge you to grow your Instagram account along with me. I'm going to focus some attention on growing my Instagram account, and we are going to do this together. If you want to get those high-end clients, you're also going to spend your marketing dollars only in places where those future clients are. So for example, in my life, I would take an ad in a car magazine or a travel magazine because I know that's where my customer is. I would also tie my advertising dollars to future editorial coverage. That is something you could not do 10 years ago, but today it's very possible, particularly with print magazines. I would have an ad, for example, occur in the month of April, and then maybe in the month of May, there would be an editorial feature on me. I would not want those two things to be in the same issue. Clients are smart, and they see an ad on page 7, and then they see editorial coverage on page 14, and it, it washes away any impact from that editorial coverage. I would also say, and for some of you, this is going to be hard to hear, you've got to stop taking those low-end jobs if you want the higher-end customers. Now, I get it. If you're just starting out, if you don't have enough work, trust me, when I started out, if you had a pulse, you were my customer. I didn't care. So there's no judgment around that. But remember, the customers you have now are the customers who are going to refer you to customers just like them. So do be aware that at some point, it's probably better for you to have five great clients than to have 15 where 10 of them aren't very good. And I know for some of you, you're like, it's ridiculous. If I had 15 clients, I'd be living on easy street. So I get it. That's okay. The very best thing you can do if you are just starting out or if you've been doing this a long time, and I know it's self-serving, but it is the truth, implement Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy. Every time I hear us refer to it as Business of Design strategy, I think, no, 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 it's Kimberly Selden Design Group strategy because that's where it lives. We use it every day. What's so great about it? A systematic approach to every project 
I guarantee you will expand the scope of the project. It will increase your revenues and it will enhance the customer experience. Those are fundamental requirements of getting your clients to the next level and having them refer you to clients who are at the next level. Raising our rates attracted Clients who wanted to spend money on a renovation or a decorating project. I hate to say better clients because people are people. Some are good, some are bad, some are wonderful, some aren't. Um, but it certainly did attract those customers who wanted to invest in their decorating or renovating project. Just do it. Raise your rate. And speaking of just, number two. Eliminate the word just from your vocabulary. It is a barrier to your success. Let me give you some examples. You meet somebody new at a party. They say, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm just a decorator. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I catch myself doing stuff like that all the time. Or how about this one? I just work from home. Or I just have a home office in my basement. I just work for myself. I don't have any staff. Or someone compliments you, wow, you got something published. Immediately you say, well, it was just a local paper. It's just a local magazine. At this year's Business of Design Elite Retreat, we will play a game where every time you use the word just, people will take away your bracelets. You don't want people taking away your bracelets. Eliminate the word just. Unless you're talking about fairness, that verdict was just. That opinion was just. You, you're not just anything. You're fabulous. And owning that is part of what gives us the confidence to charge a higher rate. Number three, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are so many tools that will allow you to do your job better. And there are systems and procedures that will allow you to do your job better. At Business of Design, that's what we're about, those systems and procedures. When I started on this journey in the year 2000, there were no systems and procedures available for designers like me. I really was alone. But the conversation has changed, and now people have effective strategies, effective procedures that work try them. I hear this a lot from people who are considering membership. Well, I'm not sure if I can afford $67.50 this month. That blows my mind. Implement one of our systems and strategies and it will pay you back tenfold. Just one, but pick one. Pick one thing you need to implement and do whatever it takes to get that one system or strategy in place try it. I also hear people say, oh, well, I don't really do it that way. You know, I know you recommend it that way, but I'm sure that's not going to work for me with my clients. Again, try it. You don't know if it's going to work unless you actually try it. Trust me when I tell you I spent a good five years arguing with my business coach about some of the things I knew I needed to try. I just wouldn't let go. And when I finally did try them, some of them worked beautifully. Some of them worked a little bit and I was able to tweak them. And I learned that the only recipe for staying stuck is not trying something new. Don't reinvent the wheel. 
find someone, a business coach, a business advisor who can tell you what to do. I'd be thrilled if that's me, but if it isn't me, that's okay. Find a single voice and be focused on that implementation. Don't do what I did for so many years, which is just trying harder, working faster, giving up more free time in an effort to make something work that didn't work previously. The definition of insanity, doing something over and over again and expecting different results. Try something new. Number four, pick a lane and stay there. This applies to so many things. It applies to figuring out who your ideal customer is and really targeting that customer, those projects. Laser focus all of your marketing material on that customer. All of your language, all of your photos on your website, all about that customer. It also has to do with being clear about where you're going to get advice. I love designers. There's no question about it. But too often, we're on Facebook community forums asking advice from a broad audience. And you get feedback from people you don't really know, and you're not sure what their bottom line is, and you don't know how successful their business is. I think it's far better to select a business coach and then follow what they prescribe. If you find after a certain time you've come to the end of the lane and there's nothing more for you to learn, I totally get that. Then you can go on to the next one. But bouncing around from coach to coach, from podcast to podcast, from advisor to advisor is bound to get you nowhere. I have a friend who says it's always a choice between discipline and regret. And I find so often that is true. If I eat that ice cream, I will have regret. If I practice discipline, I don't have to have that regret, right? The same is true for business. I can be disciplined and decide to try some new things that I know will become effective strategies for my business, or I can have a lack of discipline, do what I did yesterday, which didn't work, and then I can beat myself up for having failed again. I hope you guys are relating to this. I feel like I'm being kind of a harsh nag right now. (laughs) I guess it's because these barriers to success held me back for so long, and I want you to be able to leapfrog over me and go to the next level without having to lose a decade to self-reproach. Ugh. I'll move along. Number five is saying yes when you really should be saying no. It's really hard, I think, to say no to clients, but there are so many times throughout a job where that's my role. So for example, when I meet a new customer and they say, I need to have this all done by Christmas and it's October, all I can say is it's not going to happen no matter what. It doesn't matter how much you want to pay me. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how hard I work. It can't be done. Now, I can call in every favor in the universe and beg all of my trades to do more, work faster, give up their weekends. It's going to fall apart. And then my trades are going to be unhappy with me and my client's going to be unhappy with me. Instead, I can have the discipline to say no right then and there quash any idea that this could be done by that certain date and stick to the procedures and strategies I know work. 
I can guarantee on time and on budget. I just can't tell you what that is today, the first day we meet. Let me have time to work my steps. And then when we get to step six, I can guarantee a timeline. Then there's a client who sends you photos of things that she loves. And sometimes they're great. And you can say, wow, that's lovely. I will absolutely include that in the presentation. Other times, they're not right at all. And it's my obligation at that point to tell the client, while I think this is a beautiful lantern, it is not consistent with the look and style you told me we were going to capture at the consultation and again at trade day. Do you want to revisit those two meetings or shall I stay the course and do the presentation that I think is right for you? It's somewhat difficult to do that in the moment, right? I just want to make the client happy. I don't want to hurt her feelings and I want her to like me, but she's going to like me a whole lot more if I deliver a project that is cohesive from top to bottom. She might not even be able to explain why the project makes sense when it's all said and done, but she'll feel it and guests will feel it and family members will feel it. And that's how we get referral and repeat customers. Everybody who comes in says, oh, wow, this feels really good. You know, yes, it looks good, but it feels good too. Saying no also comes into play when a potential client or an existing customer tries to negotiate something with us. If we know it's something we shouldn't negotiate, the only answer is no. Now, we can say that in a variety of ways. We can be as diplomatic as possible, but it's okay to stay firm in those rules you know protect your business. So for example, if a client says, you know, my husband and I are not really comfortable with a retainer, the answer ultimately to can we skip the retainer is no. I want to be diplomatic about that answer, but I can explain that the retainer is there so I have cash flow throughout the project. I can explain that our policy is we take a retainer on every single job. And I've been doing this since 1991, so I'm really good at running design projects. You should trust me on this. Saying no is vitally important if a client ever tries to negotiate your rate. If somebody is phoning your office for the first time and they try to negotiate your rate, that doesn't mean it's someone you cannot work with, but you hold firm, you state your rate, you stick to it. Remember those words? Our policy is hold firm. And if the client turns around and hires you, then you know you have a great fit. If the client doesn't hire you because your rate seems too high to that customer, that's not your customer. You don't want that customer. You don't have enough time and energy to take every single customer in your neighborhood or in your town. You don't. You need how many? A handful? If you've not yet taken the course, Projects to Profits, please take that one course and do the work. You will need to have your profit and loss statement from the previous year available to you to do this course. But you can calculate with accuracy how many clients you need to hit the dollar amount you want to put in your pocket every single year. It is not that hard to do, and it is a vital exercise. I do this annually, and every year my aim is to produce higher profits and fewer customers. Saying no is such a powerful tool. 
I tell clients this all the time. If I am out at a store with a customer for some reason and I'm showing them fabrics or I'm showing them carpets and I point to this carpet over there and I say, what do you think? And the client says, well, I don't know. I think it's nice. It's not really very helpful. If the client, on the other hand, would say, I love it or I hate it, that would be really helpful to know what a client hates saves time and energy because you won't show them anything like that. Too often, politeness gets in the way of us being honest. Our job as the designer is to lead the client toward the best choices. So if a client points out something she loves, but we don't think it's right for the project, we need to speak up. This is kind of a heavy episode. I did not start out with that intention My intention, speaking of intentions, is to work with less effort and more joy. And that's what I want for you too. So yeah, unfortunately, you do have to roll up your sleeve to implement some of the systems and procedures we talk about all the time. But I cannot tell you how many hours of stress it is going to save you once those systems are humming along. Those are my five barriers that I came up with. I know you guys, you've got some others. So please reach out to us at businessofdesign.com or on the Facebook community or through the forum where you can reach me as your private mentor. Reach out to us and let us know what your barriers to success are. Perhaps we can point you in a direction that will get you right out of them. This is your year. I hope you feel that. You deserve to feel that. We can do so much more when we're sharing together. I can't thank you enough for being here. Your generous and candid feedback and sharing means everything to me and to all of us at Business of Design. Have an amazing week. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.